very, very much for your generosity. Thank you, Beth. Appreciate it. While we're celebrating, we have been seeking to have 75% of you connected to this church through Serve Together. As of today, we are at 77%. So let's stop and let's celebrate that. Man, there's so much, so many good things going on right now. Just thank you, God. Uh, I want to show you this picture. Um, this is uh, John Wooden, who is the coach at UCLA. Uh, if you want to talk about the GOAT, the greatest of all time in college basketball, it would definitely be Coach Wooden. And beside him is Bill Walton. Now, Wooden was a Midwestern Christian, sort of a buttoned-up kind of guy. Walton was a West Coast beach hippie, and they had a lot of conflicts. And one of their conflicts was that Wooden had a rule that they could have no facial hair. And after spring break, uh, Bill Walton came back with a full beard. And uh, Coach Wooden said to him, Bill, have you forgotten something? And Bill got defensive. He said, if you mean my beard, I think it's my right to grow a beard if I want to. And Coach Wooden said, do you really believe that? And and Bill Walton said, I do. And Coach Wooden said, I respect a man who stands up for what he believes. In fact, I would die for you to be able to live what you believe. And Bill Walton was so relieved. He said, thank you, Coach. He's walking away. Coach Wooden said, Bill, the team is going to really miss you. I love that story because you know who told that story? Bill Walton. Because that had molded him to play for a coach who had some non-negotiables. If you're going to play for me, this is what you do. And we're in the middle of a, a message series right now about our coach, Jesus, and us being on his team. And that he has some non-negotiables. We're looking at these as the must statements of Jesus. This is something you must do, not that you maybe should do. And today we get to an incredible passage in John chapter 13. You must love one another as I have loved you. What a challenge. At first, this is going to sound so simple to us today. But the more we go through our message, I think you're going to find this is a great challenge for us. In fact, here's how I'd sum up our message today. The first thing believers should learn is to love each other. The first thing non-believers should discern is that we love in a different way. In fact, in the next line, Jesus would say, that's our identification. You must love one another as I've loved you. Listen to the next line. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Now, this is said in John chapter 13. So if you'd like to open your Bible, go on your phone to John 13. I want to set the context. Jesus is just about to die. They have rented a room out for for one last meal with Jesus and his disciples. And, And so they're there. And in that day, when, when you ate, you laid around a table. Now, the problem in our scene is that they walked with sandals on dusty, dirty roads. So normally, if you were rich, you had a slave to wash feet. If not, just the most humble person would wash everybody's feet. But they're all laying around the table, feet by people's face. Nobody has washed the feet, and they're starting to eat until Jesus stands up. The, listen, Son of God. Stands up, takes his outer garment off, girds himself with a towel, gets on his knees with a wash, wash pan, and begins to go around in this crazy scene and wash his disciples' feet. 
Even Peter knew there's something wrong with this. Jesus, you're the Son of God. You're not washing my feet. Jesus said, if I don't, you have nothing to do with me. It's this crazy, awesome scene. This is the demonstration, guys, of what we're going to talk about in John 13, 34. I've never tied these two things together. He is demonstrating what love looks like. In fact, he says at the beginning, he is going to show them the full extent of his love. So we see the demonstration. And then we get to the application. After the washing of feet, look at John 13, verse 12. Jesus said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What's the application? Jesus says, I have washed your feet, now you wash one another's feet. Now listen to me, because I would not have a problem with this command if Jesus had said, I've washed your feet, now you wash my feet. I'd do anything for Jesus. But when it comes to you guys, I know this, most of you, probably at times all of us, have some dirty, smelly feet. Anybody want to confess that? I mean, and so my problem is not washing Jesus' feet. My problem is the command that we wash each other's feet. And guys, often, like in Jesus' day, our feet are crusty and dirty and smelly. And yet Jesus says, you put yourself as a servant. And then he has the audacity to say in verse 17, if you do these things, you'll be blessed. Some translations say, if you do these things, you will be happy. The path to happiness is servant, loving to the full extent. A love that's not just like Tim was saying about his dad. doesn't have to be in words. It's in deed. And then let's look at the, the ramification. What happens when we start loving other people the way Jesus has loved us? Look at verse 34. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must, must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus says, it's your love that gets the world's attention. And Jesus gives unbelievers out there the right to judge us by how we love each other. You see, guys, if our love for one another is no different than people in the world, we have nothing to share, different than what they already have. And that's why I love it when, as a church, we're able to extend ourselves and love people. You see this picture of Halcyon Elementary School. We've got a bunch of our folks who go over there as mentors and take lunch to some of those little kids. The other day, one of our mentors was over there, and a teacher came up to him in tears, giving him a hug and saying, thank you for what you're doing to our kids. I love what Tim just shared with us about the 24th anniversary of RSVP. I grew up just like Tim, where church was the last place you would tell your problem. I love in this church, and I think RSVP has set the tone, 
This can be the first place you can share your problem. And then I heard this incredible story about one of our back behind-the-scenes ministry called Father's Heart. That's where we, we minister to people that are doing adoption and foster care. Two of our people who head this up are Shanna Phillips and Katie Lassiter. And God's just given them a, a heart for foster care. But they've also been very disturbed when they go to Montgomery County's DHR facility. They're in a temporary facility for the last two years that was not meant to be permanent. And one thing that's really below any kind of standards you'd want is what's called the family room. And this is where people are taken to meet with their child. Sometimes they'll be there for hours in this room with their child. Only time to see their child. And and, and Shanna had noticed that. And at the same time, Katie had noticed it. And this is what the room looked like. And so they decided, not even knowing the other was, this is it. Because they thought, how can we help foster and adoptive parents in Montgomery County? And they decided, and then they got together, and they called all the folks in Father's Heart and said, hey, can, can, can we redo this? They called, they sent an email out with needs for the room, got more things that they could get. And then they called landmark men who had any kind of construction ability to come help knock walls out and do things. I didn't get a call. They called landmark men to come do that. And they went in there in one weekend, that room was transformed to this. Isn't that awesome? And what's so cool about that is as soon as they were through, some of the workers walked in the room and just were, wow. And over the last few weeks, our folks have been getting these texts like, thank you so much. This is the way it ought to be. Because that's when the world notices we're different. Those people didn't have to do that. It wasn't their house. It wasn't even their children. But they did it. And I'm in a great vantage point as your minister to see how our elders go out and love on people and help people in their worst moments. I'm in the vantage point to see some of our members who go with some of our people that are, that are hurting and, and sick and go just spend time with them and take them on rides. I get to see when someone takes someone to lunch just to talk about where they are with Jesus. I get to see all the people that serve in Friends Speak that are leading to this incredible announcement this morning of this multicultural, multinational church. I love to see when some of you take care of someone with social anxiety. I had a friend the other day who came, and uh, I didn't realize how bad social anxiety is. As an extrovert, I don't get it. But my friend told me, I drove up to your church. I spent 15 minutes in the parking lot trying to decide whether I should walk in or not. And I know those of you who go out there and you find that person and you sit with that person and you make them feel comfortable. You see, that's when Jesus says, they're going to know we're different. So let me give you some implications of the passage we're looking at. They're very practical. Number one, we live by a higher standard of love. Now, did you hear Jesus say, this is a new commandment? Now, we could argue about that. We could say, in the Old Testament, people are commanded to love one another, and they are. So what in the world, Jesus, is new? Here's what's new. You are to love one another, here it is, as I have loved 
you. The new standard is to love like Jesus. Jesus says the golden rule was a cool deal. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I want to raise the standard. You do unto others as I have done unto you. In fact, in Luke chapter 6, verse 32, Jesus says, you know what? If you love people who love you, big deal. Even the pagans do that. It's when you love people who don't love you. So we got a higher standard of love. Now listen, everything behind this teaching assumes community. You cannot obey this must by yourself without somebody else. We've got to love one another. And so guys, listen to me. Some of your church may be a new thing to you. Church is not you just coming here as an individual sitting on a pew, getting your hour in and getting out of here. Church is a community. That's why we work so hard to get you to fill that serve together form up out. Because we know if you get in a ministry, you'll get to know somebody. That's why we work so hard to get you in a small group. Because church is not us just meeting in the same room once or twice a week. Church is us living in community where we demonstrate a love of another kind. Jesus says, big deal if you love people who love you. you got to love people that are difficult. Number two, this love is more than a feeling. Now, this is big time for us. Because if you're watching movies, you're reading books, and you're listening to music in our culture, love is all about feelings. Just think about Valentine's Day coming up this Wednesday. Nice reminder. Valentine's Day this Wednesday. We're just going to celebrate romantic love. Even the Super Bowl tonight. We will celebrate Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Now let me tell you what Buddy really wants. I hope they broke up last night and she doesn't show up. (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool? They can get back together on Monday, but just don't ruin our Super Bowl, all right? You see, we celebrate that kind of love. But Jesus says, this love is not just a feeling, it's an action. Because just pay close attention. You cannot command a feeling. I can't say you've got to feel this way about this person. Feelings just come or go. But you can command actions. My favorite thing to say to a couple when I'm doing their wedding ceremony is with real biblical love, you can love your spouse even on the days you don't like them. Anybody want to say amen? Anybody having that day today? Just be quiet. All right. You can love your spouse even on those days because biblical love is more than a feeling. Oh, it's going to involve some feelings, but it's going to involve, first of all, just loving when you don't feel like it. Listen, even Jesus had to love us when he didn't feel like it. That's what Gethsemane is all about. Jesus is saying in our vernacular, I don't really feel like dying on a cross to love these people. But if it's your will, I'll do it. And that's the kind of love we're talking about. Number three, loving some people will stretch you. Here's where I ought to get a big amen. Loving some people will stretch you. Go back to our scene for a moment. Can you imagine when Jesus has to go wash Peter's feet? And when Peter sort of pitches a fit about it, I'd say, okay, Peter, go on, man. I mean, you're about to deny me. I sure don't want to wash your feet. And then let's even stretch a little bit more. What a stretch it had to be. To wash Judas's feet, 
who's already put in motion the crucifixion of Jesus. You see, love will sometimes cause you to stretch. I love the, the, the story about this married couple. They're in their 80s. They've been married for 60 years. And one night they're in bed, and the wife says, Honey, I remember when we first got married, you used to hold my hand in bed. And after a little pause, he reached over and held her hand. And then she said, and I also remember how we used to cuddle up when we first got married. Longer pause, groan, he cuddles up with her. Then she says, and I remember when you used to nibble on my ear. He throws the covers off, gets out of bed. She says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to get my teeth. (laughs) Sometimes love just stretches you. Because, guys, listen, community is messy. Some of you stay away from church because you don't want to deal with the mess. But here's what you're missing. You're missing the beauty. Because when the church loves like this, it is nothing short of, of a miracle, but it's going to stretch you. Let me ask you this. Who stretches your love muscle? Might be somebody in your home. Might be somewhere where, somebody where, that you work with, someone you go to school with, maybe even somewhere in this church, maybe someone even in the life group you're going to meet with tonight. You say, oh, that couldn't happen. Listen, Either someone's stretching you, or I guarantee you there's somebody out there you're stretching, right? They're thinking about you right now, all right? So don't get cocky. You ever had someone just hard to love? I remember when Stephanie and I first moved to Tuscaloosa, they had a a student council that was um, sort of running the campus ministry between the campus ministry before me and me. And the guy who was head of the student council, uh, he still wanted to run the ministry, even though I'd moved there. And the elders actually had to tell him, Buddy's now in charge, but he, he just couldn't stand me. I don't know why. I know that's hard to imagine, but he just, just, just hated me. And so, um, I mean, he would talk bad about me. He would undermine anything I was trying to do. One Friday night, Stephanie and I are in our little condo on Hackberry Lane, and we hear a knock on the door. I get to the door first. I open the door, and there he's standing. And this is all he says to me. Buddy, I just want you to know that I'm praying every day for you to leave. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Well, I said to him, well, I'm sorry, man, I'm going to outpray you. And so the next day, I go to the office, and I call a minister friend of mine. Many of you know Larry Klein. And I said, Larry, i got this huge problem going on. There's this guy here that just hates me, and he's trying to undermine me. And, I mean, he showed up at our house last night and said, you know, I want you to leave. And I was expecting Larry to go, buddy, man, that's awful, man. I know that's terrible. I mean, you need to, you need to go report that guy. I'll never forget when he said this to me. Have you ever thought about loving him? (laughs) True answer, no. Right answer, yes. So I decided to love on him. And by the time he graduated law school, he stayed a long time. By the time he graduated law school, we actually had a good relationship. And when I moved here to Montgomery, his son was going to Faulkner, and I could tell there was no strain whatsoever. You see, guys, love is powerful, but sometimes it's going to make you have to love somebody you don't really want to love. Number four, this love takes supernatural power. To love someone who's hurt you, to love who Jesus would say your enemy, man, none of us do that naturally. 
Listen to this awesome passage from Romans chapter 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. Guys, one of the great things the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit pours the love of God into our heart. And my friends, when the Holy Spirit takes control of a church, things start happening that would never happen out there. People are reconciled. People love each other who it never could happen any other way. And that brings me to number five. This love will change the world. The problem in the world today is they don't see us any different. They see us being just as mean and nasty on social media as they are. Just as mean and nasty in politics as they are. Just as mean and nasty when someone crosses my line as they are. And they go, I don't wash my hands of those people. They're just like us. Why would I want to join them to be like that? But see, guys, when we have this kind of, of radical love and we begin to spread that love, and people go, man, that's not the way people are supposed to love someone who did them wrong. Here's my challenge to you. We need to spread the radical love of Jesus as fast around Montgomery as new car washes. (laughs) Guys, what is going on? There must be some money I don't know about, all right? Guys, there's so many. Guys, how about if we just said, you know what? We're going to be so different I'm going to stop trying to surround myself at church with people that are just like me. And I'm going to try to to be willing to be with people that have different backgrounds, different economic levels, different political views, different races, you name it. We're willing to come together and love each other. I'll tell you what, that love will change the world. I love this story. One of my favorite authors is a man named Philip Yancey. And probably his most famous work, he's written a lot of books, is called Disappointment with God. Because he knows how many of us have struggled even being disappointed with God. It's such a real book. The story is told, though, in the middle of him writing this book, he's at a layover at O'Hare Airport in Chicago. Five-hour layover. And he's in the middle of writing this book, and there's this woman who gets in conversation with him. And so he starts telling her about the book. And of course, in telling her about the book, he begins to share with her all the ways he's been disappointed in God. I mean, he gives quite a list, and the lady patiently waits. Then finally, she asks this question. Philip, do you ever just let Jesus love you? Do you ever just let Jesus love you. That's what I'm asking you as we close today. Do you ever just let Jesus love you? Because guys, what we're talking about today is really important. But the first step is not you going out to love others. The first step is for you to be loved by Jesus. You are to love one another, what? As I have loved you. So I want to ask you to do something with me this morning. I want to ask you to bow your head. I want to ask you to close your eyes. And I just want to talk to you about this a little bit. Because I think this is a major issue. Because I don't know about you, 
But sometimes I can understand God's love for you more than I can understand his love for me. So please bow your head and close your eyes and let me ask you that question. Do you ever just let Jesus love you? Can you visualize the Son of God washing your dirty feet? Forgiving your worst sin. Can you hear him say what he said to that adulterous woman? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Do you know, as my buddy Tim Lee would say, he is crazy about you. Do you really think that? You see, the Bible teaches anything is that every human being is worthy of love. That makes us different in this world. That's why we care about the unborn and we care about the elderly. We care about every human being. But every human being, including you, that's the tough one, are loved by God. Has Satan been working behind the scenes to convince you that you're not? Has he possibly worked through the people who should have protected you? Maybe you felt unloved by your parents or one of your parents. Maybe even by your spouse. Your home life's just not a safe place. Maybe you've had what so many of us have had, a bad experience at church where someone did you wrong. Or maybe at school where someone made fun of you because you weren't smart enough or athletic enough or good-looking enough, whatever they might have said. Or maybe where you work. Someone made you feel like you'd never live up to the standard. Or it could have been that it's nobody else who made you feel that way. You don't feel love because you know all too well about your own failings and your own failures and your own sin. And Satan throws that in your face so you cannot let Jesus love you. So today, I want you just to open your heart up. And in this moment right now, just to receive Jesus' love. Let him love you in a way that's deeper than you've ever allowed. I'm asking for the Holy Spirit in the next couple of minutes just to pour this love in your heart. Can you believe it can happen? Please believe it. I know Satan's whispering right now, you can't believe this. But there's anything true, anything Jesus proved, anything Jesus demonstrated as he loves us. So right now, I want you to just listen to the words of a song. We're going to all sing together in a moment. There are powerful words about his love.